0: Life is... How would you finish that sentence? Life is what? Well, according to a significant core of young people, aged 16 to 25, who were recently surveyed by the Prince's Trust, here was their answer. Life is meaningless. In the early hours of Sunday morning, the 22nd of March 2009, Jade Goody died. At the age of 27. And according to one obituary, we, the public, followed her life for its meaninglessness. Or at least we did up to a point. Six years ago, Robbie Williams was at the peak of his solo career. He had just signed the biggest record deal in history, and he was considered one of the most successful and well paid recording artists of all time and yet in an interview with Heat magazine in September 2003 he said this I'm loaded I can buy anything I want and everybody thinks I must have a brilliant life but it's actually horrible incredible words from someone who humanly speaking appeared to have everything or at least did six years ago hundred years ago just before his death One of America's greatest ever writers wrote these chilling words. A myriad of men are born. They labor and sweat and struggle. They squabble and scold and fight. They scramble for little mean advantages over each other and age creeps upon them. Infirmities follow. Those they love are taken from them and the joy of life is turned to aching grief. It, the release, comes at last. The only unpoisoned gift earth ever had for them. And they vanish from a world where they were of no consequence. A world which will lament them for a day and forget them forever. Deeply distressing, depressing comment or is it an accurate reflection of how many people today feel? During the the past week I read this shocking and sad statistic that we now live in a world where one million people commit suicide every year. Globally, suicide takes more lives than murder and war put together according to the World Health Organization. So It seems that life for far too many people has got little or no purpose. On Wednesday, we listened to another budget. And in response, and given our current economic climate, we seem to constantly hear commentators use words and phrases such as deep recession, crippling debt, credit crunch, redundancy, meltdown, repossession, job losses, etc., etc. And therefore, the sense of hopelessness is almost (laughs) tangible. So, what is the point? Is there one? 3,000 years ago, one of the wisest people to have ever lived on planet Earth penned these provocative words as he approached the end of his life Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. How do you feel? <laughs> I've mentioned a whole variety of different people. But what all the people that I have mentioned have shared or seem to have shared was a deeply sceptical and pessimistic outlook on life. And so we are left with this question. What is the point? It's a key question. It's a topical question. It's a current question. It's a popular question. It's a fair question. But it's not a new question. People have been asking it and other existential questions about the meaning of life for years. And therefore it does seem appropriate, I think, I hope, it seems like a good idea, maybe even seems right, that we as a church spend Sunday of the evenings between now and the end of June looking at a whole bunch of meaningless messages. From one of the most fascinating and unique books in the Bible... A book that Winston Churchill described as a riddle wrapped in a mystery inside an enigma. Which is just a brilliant description of this book. Ecclesiastes is reportedly the most often quoted Bible book by atheists and religious sceptics. It's a book for unbelievers, it's a book for believers, it's a book for everyone But because of its style, because of its content, some people are surprised when they read it to find it alongside the other 65 books. It falls into this biblical category of wisdom literature. But it's more than just wise words or a collection of ancient philosophy. Because what it talks about is incredibly relevant, incredibly up to date. The material that's covered, the subjects dealt with appear in today's soap operas and political speeches and radical and conservative movements of the 21st century. What you will hear and the issues that are raised in these 12 chapters are issues that are raised in the halls of academia and on the streets of our cities. Ecclesiastes has been described as a key book for our times because it is one of the most accessible, one of the most modern pieces of biblical literature. And like so many other people who have read it and who read it, I want to suggest that Ecclesiastes is a must-read for a materialistic and a hedonistic and a secularized society because it's a book that speaks directly into our context in 2009. It's a book that addresses the big questions of life. And it's a book that actually forces us to confront the realities of life that so often people today want to run away from. This is a book for people who feel that life is a bit like running on a treadmill. And that's a thought I'm going to come back to. Where you expend lots and lots of energy, but you actually get nowhere. It's a big book for people who are prepared to face up to what really matters. And therefore, I really would encourage you to keep coming back, despite this very depressing introduction, but I'd really encourage you to keep coming back on Sunday nights and to join us exploring uh, the critical lessons that we can glean from these 12 chapters. Now, I know for those of you who have been about Windsor for a number of years, this is a book you have looked at about seven, eight years ago. But I still think it's a book worth coming back to time and time again. So, if you have a Bible, could you please turn to Ecclesiastes? If you don't have a Bible with you, there are Bibles in the pews, and it's on page 668 of uh, of the Pew Bibles. Ecclesiastes, and we'll we'll begin at verse 1. And verse 1 reads, The words of the teacher, son of David, king of jerusalem now some translations have the words of the preacher son of david king of jerusalem and there are those who have suggested that an even more helpful english translation would be the words of the searcher son of david king of jerusalem because the idea of a searcher seems to capture the heart and the perspective of this book better than the idea of a teacher or a preacher Because this, as you soon discover, was a text written by someone who was searching for meaning and purpose and direction and answers. So from here on in, we'll probably refer to him as the searcher. And one other introductory comment before we read the next ten verses. It is widely viewed that the son of David, the king of Jerusalem, refers to Solomon. I know that some critical commentators have questioned that, but most accept it. And so from here on in for the next number of weeks we're going to go with the understanding that it was Solomon who penned these words. So let's stand as we tend to do together for the public reading of God's word. Picking up at verse 2 down to verse 11. Meaningless, meaningless says the teacher, preacher, searcher. Utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. What does anyone gain from all their labours at which they toil under the sun? Generations come, generations go, but the earth remains the same. The sun rises, the sun sets, and it hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south, it turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning to its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear it's full of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, Look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. There is no remembrance of people of old. And even those who are yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. <laughs> Grab a seat. Now I realise that if you, uh, you want to go home now, I realise that, that if you if you take those first eleven verses in isolation, they are pretty negative, to say the least. And a whole lot of what I'm going to say this evening is really just by way of introduction to this series, because there doesn't seem in those first eleven verses to be any sense of hope, none whatsoever. And the one word that seems best to describe the writer's outlook on life is just futile futility abounds. It's all like chasing after the wind. the phrase that appears in chapter 2, and no doubt James will pick up on next Sunday night. In other words, life is totally and ultimately pointless. And Mark Twain seems to have agreed with that. Robbie Williams reached a similar conclusion six years ago. Many 19 to 25 year olds are there now. And sometimes, as you listen to the heartbeat of our society, that sense of hopelessness seems epidemic or maybe even pandemic. Does life have purpose? Is there really any point to it? Any meaning? People keep searching but still haven't found what they're looking for and seldom you come across those who find truly satisfactory answers or so it seems Eugene Peterson says this we search the countryside for excitement we search our souls for meaning we shop the world for pleasure we try this, we try that and the usual phase of endeavour are money and sex and power and adventure and knowledge and everything we try seems promising at first but nothing ever seems to amount to very much and so we intensify our efforts but the harder we work at it the less we get out of it. And that is exactly the sentiment of this piece of Old Testament wisdom literature. Solomon had everything. Humanly speaking, that should have provided meaning and purpose. He had it. He tried it. He had money. He had pleasure. He had power. He had adventure. He had knowledge. And yet he writes these provoking words because he wants his readers to realize That actually, in these pursuits alone, you're going to find absolutely no meaning. As you reach the end of your life, if that's all you've gone after, and you look back over your life, you're going to be left with a sense that everything was just meaningless. And in Western society today, I think it is fair to say that people are pouring their lives, pouring their every waking moments into achieving one of these goals. More money, better sex, greater power, increased knowledge. Whenever you come to verse 3, he asks what is a, a disturbing and appointed pointed question. He says you spend so much of your life working your fingers to the bone, but what do you actually gain? Because if you work and you earn And if you accumulate and that's all you ever do, and that's all you ever do it for, then you're going to have gained nothing. And humanly speaking, you may come to the end of your life and you may be unbelievably wealthy, but from an eternal perspective, you're going to be extremely poor. And that's an idea that Jesus picked up in Mark's Gospel when he added this similarly disturbing question, and how do you benefit? If you gain the whole world, but you lose your soul in the process. And what the teacher and the search is saying and what Jesus is saying is listen, forget it. Forget all of that. You will never find ultimate meaning and purpose in these things. And whatever you do, and this is his message, I believe his message to a contemporary society, whatever you do, don't wait to the end of your life to discover that reality. Find that out now. Listen to my words. Take what I say on board so that you won't waste the rest of your life searching for meaning in these things alone and end up disappointed and disillusioned and dissatisfied and wondering, what was that all about? What was the point of it all? We may live in a society where people are maybe less and less, but where they are materially rich, but spiritually bankrupt, and from an eternal perspective, that is disastrous—absolutely disastrous. Because to answer Jesus' question, it is no benefit, because you can have everything and yet at the same time you can have nothing. And the searcher is trying to get us to think through these issues before it's too late, because one of the things he wants us to get to come to terms with, and it's something the Bible stresses time and time again, is that life is short and so in verse 4 he says generations come generations go psalm 90 verse uh, 10 says this 70 years are given to us some may even reach 80 but soon they disappear and are gone forever and in the new testament james asks that question what is life and what he actually says in response to his own question is your life is a mist it's like a mist that appears for a little while and then it vanishes I am uh, 41. I've just worked out I've lived for 14,983 days. I have, according to the psalmist, 10,567 left if I reach 70. Which means I'm quite far over halfway. And the sooner I come to terms with what the writer of Ecclesiastes is saying, the sooner I take his advice, the better And as Solomon looked around, and as he observed nature, and as he observed human life, he just got down. He just got depressed. It seemed, he says, that everything was just going round and round in circles. Nothing ever changes. It's as if everyone and everything is just running on a treadmill, and it's getting absolutely nowhere. And you know, health clubs and gyms are incredibly popular these days. And people will spend hours on exercise bikes and steppers and wave machines and cross trainers. And they're all designed to help us expend maximum amounts of energy for long periods of time. But what? They take us nowhere. And I read an article recently which suggested that many exercise machines found in our gyms and health clubs are symbolic of our time. Because actually what we are, are just a people who are going nowhere fast and expending lots of energy getting there. And Solomon did, I think, recognize the futility of that reality of life. He seen, as he observed nature, the endless cycles, he just thought, and as he looked at generations coming and going, just thought, listen, this whole thing's just going round and round, and nobody is going anywhere fast. And Solomon also realized that he lived in a world that promised everything, but actually when it came to it delivered very little. And as we look at our world, a world that offers this generation, a world that offers this generation more opportunities than previous generations ever dreamed of. A world that has made phenomenal scientific and technological advancements, but new opportunities and significant human developments in and of themselves will never provide a meaning in life. And so people keep searching, trying to find answers. And we can strive all we like and we can, search, we can search in every place imaginable. And in today's society, people are looking in all sorts of bizarre places. More extreme places. But we will only ever discover ultimate meaning and purpose in one place. And that seems to be the sentiment of this book. The sentiment of the rest of God's word. you only find ultimate meaning and purpose in one place. And that's in God. Otherwise, if you never reach that place, life will maintain a sense of meaninglessness. It'll be futile. It'll be like chasing after the wind. Whenever Paul was writing to the church in Philippi, he picked up on this idea. He said, Listen, everything else is worthless. Compared to the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, Paul understood the perspective of the writer of Ecclesiastes. Everything under the sun is meaningless, worthless, and unless God is a part of your life, it will remain that way. And that little phrase, which is a phrase that occurs time and time again in this book, is absolutely critical to our understanding of these 12 chapters. You'll notice it appears twice in those 11 verses we read together, and it appears a further 27 times in the remainder of this book. In the life that's meaningless according to the writer, is life that's lived under the sun. In other words, life from a purely human perspective. Life without God. And that sort of life, the life of what you see is what you get, that's the kind of life that is just completely futile. And as Solomon looks around him at the tangible and temporal and visible world under the sun, he comes to this bleak conclusion. And therefore there is little to encourage him. There is little to inspire hope. As I say, he thinks life's just clockwork. The sun goes up, the sun goes down, the sun goes up, the sun goes down. All the streams just flow into the sea, but the sea never fills up. It's just bottomless. It's all an endless cycle. You work And then there's more work to do tomorrow when you solve one set of problems this week and then there's a whole new set of problems to face the next week. And life under the sun, it seems, is as meaningful as a merry-go-round. You go round and round, up and down, fun at first, but ultimately pointless. And the writer of Ecclesiastes, he's not being depressive, although that's what it might come across as, he's just being real. And this book is a book, I think, that injects a massive dose of reality into a world that actually urges us, don't stop. Do not stop and ask the important questions. Don't think about meaning and purpose. Whatever you do, keep yourself occupied, pour yourself another drink, make more money, book another holiday, play another virtual war game on your console, surf the net, watch another DVD, pop another pill, but whatever you do, don't ask any of the hard questions of life. And so much of what life is about now, it would seem, is about escapism. Just cram your life with activity. Do lots and lots of things, but don't ask the hard questions. Don't ask the big questions. And we live in a world, it seems, where people are hell-bent on ensuring that other people don't ask the hard questions of life. Because it is going to reveal that so much of what people expound energy in, so much of what people invest their money in, is actually worthless and meaningless people keep searching for answers in everything from fame and fortune to the latest philosophy but the writer of this book just says listen you're wasting your time you leave God out of life and all you're left with is what you see, all you're left with is everything that's just under the sun there's nothing beyond there's nothing above There's no bigger picture. There's no eternal perspective. And that will never satisfy your deepest need. It will never satisfy those longings that you have within you. And ultimately, as the rest of God's word spells out, it will cost you your very soul. Life without God is like building that perfect sandcastle only to have the tide come in and wash it away. And at the end of the day, You have nothing to show for all your effort. And at the end of time, the Bible makes it clear that, yeah, there is going to be a fire of judgment that will burn. And unless you have lived life with a different perspective than life under the sun, then it could very well be you'll have nothing to show at the end of time for all your effort. And by the time we get to the end of Ecclesiastes... I will guarantee you that you will be convinced that living life just for the sake of it is really not worth it. And if you feel like you're running on a treadmill, if you feel like you're stuck on a merry-go-round, if you're caught in an endless cycle, or you just feel that you know sometimes it just seems I'm building castles in the sand, then this is a new, an Old Testament book that urges us to shift our focus And begin to live life in pursuit of a completely different agenda. And in the process, as you do, you will avoid a meaningless existence. And for those of us who are Christians, and I realise that's the vast majority of us, let us not be ashamed. Or let us not forget to teach this material. Why the message remains so contemporary. Because I honestly do sense so often as you talk to people that they are asking questions but they're finding so few answers and particularly in the current climate, whenever you meet people who have worked all their lives only to find it all compression in and around them for whatever reason there's just people hurting and wondering why do I still have this huge vacuum this huge void in my life that all the things I've worked for just hasn't really satisfied or filled let's pray Father as we, we often recognize the relevance of your word is incredible it's not a word that we need to make relevant it is a word that is relevant And so I thank you for your inspired word. I thank you that it continues to teach us so much about life. Life in our contemporary 21st century society. God, thank you for the lessons that this wise man learnt as he looked back over his life. And I pray, God, that you would help each of us learn those lessons quickly and help us to share those lessons with others. God, help us to know as we go through this series, what does it actually mean to live somewhere else other than under the sun? And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.